Hello, good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Joining us today are all the elders of Cornerstone, Ramil, Chris, Gino, and Jason. Welcome. Good day. Uh, all of us are live today. Cool. Yes, sir. We are here. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. And if you just heard that car drive by, a little special podcast from us today is we decided to enjoy the Las Vegas weather and we are doing this outside where we have the ambiance of the singing birds and the, the beautiful environment that God has given us today. And so we are enjoying God's creation today. Vegas is beautiful today. Yep. Can't say that every day of the year, but today is a gorgeous day. Today is a beautiful day. So if you're listening to this podcast in August in Las Vegas, just remember these moments. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're like mid-April. Yeah, mid-April. Beautiful April day. Beautiful April day. Should have been tax day, but this year it's not. Oh, is it? When is when is it? Now it's May seventeenth. Oh, year. they changed. I didn't even yeah. know they changed. Yeah, yep. it's more time. Today. I could have procrastinated a little bit longer. You could. You could have been like me. Yeah. yeah. Also, shout out to Zach for brewing coffee this afternoon. That's right. Little dark moon. Little dark moon in the house, fueling us today. Colombian dark moon. Good job, dark moon. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, I think Scott actually wants to employ the youth to run a couple coffee coffee bars a couple times a month here in the future. So hopefully that'll be a new thing. Yeah. Zach can train them. Yeah, Zach. Well, I think your boys can do it. Yeah. And then uh, between all of between all of us coffee guys in the church, we should be able to serve some church some quality coffee. Amen. Yeah. So, hey, today on the podcast, uh, good good topic. Uh, we, have a, we have a litany of topics coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about deacons in the future uh, and uh, probably discussing that one now not every church does deacons the same way so what do we do and then also probably coming up in the future one to five different podcasts on marriage and so we actually want to start obtaining questions that you may have on marriage for the podcast so that we can talk about them and we're going to talk about anything and everything in marriage that we can talk about that would be helpful from uh, maybe God's design to marriage to also issues that come up in couples between communication, sex, money, that kind of, those kind of things. All important to discuss. Uh, unfortunately, things that that we don't or we're not always taught or told. And so, but I know that those can be an issues in marriage. And so, no question off the table. All right, you guys heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. Send us those questions. Yeah. So email you could email Caitlin and Amber at Cornerstone LV Ops. Uh, at Gmail. Uh, you could write them out, email them to one of us as the elders. You could text us. Uh, I will say, though, it's easier if you email them, mm-hmm. uh, only because things get lost in my text messages. But fire for effect. And so. organization is not my gifting. Oh, did we lose somebody? You neither, huh? No, um, somebody's calling me. Oh. So, But we got Ramil on the phone. Oh, that's why. Okay. You want to give a shout out, Ramil? 
Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. All right. Well, you're to- the only one out of not not yeah. enjoying the outdoors. Yeah, I am in my office, and my ambiance is a fan. Well, I like it. Well, Just move your computer outside, bro. That's right. Hey, uh, today's podcast is uh, uh, a good discussion that we decided to have because we talk about this a lot uh, among the four of us, uh, but it comes up. And so I just want you to know that if we're talking about this today and we've recently had a conversation with you privately uh, and you're thinking, oh, is it my private conversation that sparked this? The answer is it was not just your private conversation with us that sparked this conversation. It is that you were one of many conversations that we've had on this issue that sparked this discussion, and it is common enough that I think we should talk about it. So today's topic of conversation is drumroll. I don't know which one is his drumroll. Ooh, that's that's more like that was good. That's more like I'm going to give a, a joke. Yeah, so, that was a punchline drumroll. That's a punchline drumroll. So maybe maybe we could get some dad jokes for Chelsea and Kyla, but. Um, today's topic of conversation is simple that we're going to talk about how to work with other people, specifically in the local church, even when you disagree with them. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> unity and versus uniformity. Uh, what we're not going to address in this is, um, the difference between biblical and unbiblical churches. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, so right there, there are some churches out there that are not biblical because they do not believe in the Trinity. Mm. They preach the false gospel. So you have some churches that do believe in the Trinity but preach a false gospel, uh, a.k.a. maybe the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have other uh, cults out there that don't believe in the Trinity, don't believe in the right gospel, but ethically would align with us on, on a lot of social issues, maybe mm-hmm. like the Mormon cult. Um, so yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So, but, um, but we are kind of going to broach that circle just a little bit with the triage. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, maybe, maybe we should set this conversation up with kind of realizing that there are some things that we need to be more closely aligned on than others. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that we can agree to disagree on. Yes. And disagreeing doesn't mean we can't work together. And I think that's, Ultimately, that's what this podcast is going to advocate, that all four of us are saying, hey, there is a level to where we can disagree on some things, but yet we can still work together and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so at the root of that really is, uh, are each of us humble enough to continue to serve the Lord, recognizing that the Lord uh, hasn't taught us all the same things at the same time in the same manner. And so what you have in the church uh, is different people who have grown at different levels. Some are mature, some are not mature. And so you have them working together, Mm -hmm. but yet even an immature Christian and a mature Christian can work together to make disciples for the church. Yes. Okay. So Gino, uh, maybe do you want to tell us what, what is the mission of the church? Yeah. the, The mission of the church is to make disciples, right? So we're called to, um, you know, love Christ, and in doing so, uh, bring up leaders, equip the church to do the work of ministry, uh, and in that, right, we're, we're we're discipling leadership, we're discipling workers, uh, we're discipling future elders and deacons. Um, we are, you know, helping 
uh, all kind of different, um, I don't want to say levels, but like, you know, there we have singles, we have married couples, we have old, young, like there, there's not like a single person that's not included in, in, uh, in the church who, the, the, the main thing that unifies us is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, belief in the gospel that he saved us. Yeah. So yeah, we're called to make disciples of him. And so in Christ alone, we could have salvation, um, and future resurrection and enjoy and enjoy the unity that we have in the body. Yes. Now, even Paul says in Philippians one twenty seven, only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see or remain absent, remember he's writing from prison to the Philippian church. And what he says is, here's what I want to hear about you, right? That I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a really good way to put this, right? That, that in a way the one, the one spirit and the one mind striving together is nuanced and bracketed by, for the faith of the gospel. Mm. And so what he doesn't say is that you have to be like-minded in every detail. You don't have to necessarily all a hundred percent believe down the line, but there is a sense in which we can do gospel ministry where we're proclaiming Christ and making disciples together with the church body, and yet know there are some areas of disagreement in the church. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, now, now Al Mohler has a helpful triage on this. Yes. Do you want to talk, Gina, do you, you've got that ready and available. Yes, yeah. So yeah. he talks about a theological triage. Uh, the, the word triage like just means to sort and he divides it uh, at three levels. And the first level is really issues of the most important doctrines that are essential to the Christian faith, such as the, the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ, what the gospel is, justification, justification by faith alone, authority of the scripture, uh, you know, the uncompromisables. Like we would probably say that if a church does not, um, you know, believe or follow one of these central important doctrines to the Christian faith, then we would struggle to call them even a church, right? Um, Jason will call them an assembly. <laughs> an assembly, right. Or, uh, at least a church as we know it in the New Testament. So the second level would be the mode of baptism, which is why we have different denominations. And like the Catholic church struggles with that because they feel that, you know, we need to, they need to be unified in every single aspect um, this is where we kind of divide with the, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, we uh, we can divide over the mode of baptism and still consider each other's brother and sisters. Yes. Mm. Um, so that's very important to realize. Um, I mean, even even issues on on how women are to serve yeah. uh, can be in that second level. And then third level, uh, Al Mohler would describe this as, you know, these are, these are things that are kind of almost preferential, um, very, you know, so, you know, these are things that you don't want to be super dogmatic about, uh, but like, like the timetable of when Christ will return, rapture, eschatology, things like that, that are probably on, on, on the, uh, outer level of, um, uh, of what we consider important or essential to Christian faith. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I when I when I meet a brother in Christ who doesn't go to our church who's uh, Pentecostal, charismatic, 
Um, and there's, there's even a range of those and he's not health, wealth, prosperity, gospel, Pentecostal, but he's faithful, faithful gospel justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Um, you know, there's a part of me that says, I know there's a brother in Christ. We just disagree over the gifts mm-hmm. Correct. And, and I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Now in the church, that may be a little harder in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, if one of us believed in the gifts of the spirit, it might create animosity in, in the four decisions we make. Mm. But um, in terms of also recognizing that, hey, is that guy going to give people the gospel and try to lead them to Christ and encourage them to believe in the gospel and to repent from their sins and to follow Christ? Yeah, I mean, at some level, hey, we're going to be around the banquet table and we're going to be humble enough at the banquet table to not lean over and go, told you, told you so, you know. Told you I was right. And just to clarify, <laughs> we all believe in the gift of the Spirit. Just, we do. Just, yeah. <laughs> just not the supernatural. Yeah. And uh, we would even agree with that. We just don't, we don't see that as a um, prevalent yes. work of the Spirit today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. maybe, maybe we would say, because some, some would go so far as to say, if you don't have those miraculous kind of manifestations, then you're not a believer. Yes. And, you know, that's a very, very different view of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what, do you, what do you say, you know, in terms of unity versus maybe we should talk about that because there's some people I think that believe that in order to be unified as a church, you actually have to be uniform. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I hear people talk about unity and I hear them talking about uniformity, mm-hmm. not necessarily unity. And I would like to distinguish that there is a difference between uniformity and unity. Yes. And kind of coupled in this is our conversation on truth and preferences that we have a lot in our truth. Camp out on the truth, give preferences where preferences are due. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I often feel like unif- in order to have uniformity, what you also have to have are, is unity at the truth and the preference level. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Or do you think there's a, how do you, is there a way to broaden that definition so that people understand better what we're talking about? We ask that again, Jason. Yeah. So, um, what's the difference between unity and uniformity in your mind? Yeah. Okay. Chris, you want to take that? I just threw him on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think when we're talking about unities, we have uh, maybe this, you know, the same mission, the same goal, um, you know, the same uh, fundamental. Uh, desire uh in scripture that we see uniformity is almost like an uh, almost an outside appearance of like we all look the same we all talk the same yeah Yeah. we all prefer the same thing yeah i would i would add to that that like unity is also number one we're unified in the gospel this is where the triage is helpful Mm -hmm. like all believers are unified authority of scripture the gospel right who jesus christ is yes um, now, now we're, 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 we divide in, uh, individually as we can disagree on minor or secondary or third, uh, you know, third level things, second level things and third level things, which shouldn't divide us. Right. right? We, so this is where we still need to have unity. So if we can have different people with different views on these things, be in the same church yes. and still walk together in unity and do ministry together. Yes. So the question for churches or church leadership or even congregations is uh, at what level do you divide right this yeah, is where yeah. the, so as for us we divide 
over first level issues. Yes. Fundamentalists divide over third level issues. Yes. So that's the difference between fundamentalists and uh, the liberals. Liberals will will um, will throw out the first level issues. Yes. And they say, well, the you know, okay, yeah, the gospel is that's great and everything, but you know, there's this other view of the gospel too that we hold in our church. Well, you know, we can only have one view of the gospel right. that unifies us. Jason, do you agree with that? I do. It's interesting because I was talking last night at Bible study with one of the guys, and we made the note that. I think it's actually even possible on first level issues to sometimes disagree with some of those issues. Like, you know, if there are some people that hear different doctrines and think you can only believe one. And what I mean by that is, you know, you might, you might say to somebody, well, what's, what's the atonement? And in, in church history, you have, you know, the substitutionary atonement view, which we hold to, but you also have a Christus Victor view. And mm-hmm. I've heard some people who say, well, you know, they, they treat that like, well, because there's two views, you have to pick one. And so you have some people that is like, well, I believe in Christus Victor. And that is that, that Christ uh, was victory over death and conquered death. And that therefore that's the main part of atonement. And they kind of think in their head that you can only have one view. Whereas I'm actually a hybrid in that I see both substitution and Christus Victor at some level. Yes. Um, but the funny part is sometimes you even tell that to somebody and they're like, well, but some Christus Victor people believe this. So if you're going to believe that doctrine, you have to believe all of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, no, I don't. You don't have to actually believe all of it. You can say, hey, each of these has a right view or each of these has a good observation that we need to incorporate in our understanding of the cross. Right. Because you see it in scripture. Yes. It's not yes. like you just made it up in your mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews talks about victory over death really mm-hmm. throughout the whole book. Uh, chapter one, chapter two, chapter nine and 10. So, right. You have, but the other part of that is you may have people in your church that actually, when you say, do you believe in substitutionary atonement? They may actually look at you and say, I don't even have any idea what you're talking about. And at that point, there's a part of me that, that says, Hey, listen, you, you know, it's not doctrinal regeneration. It's not once you believe these certain doctrines, you're saved. Mm Mm-hmm. It is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so it is 100% possible that somebody is justified and united to Christ and yet can't even articulate what it means to be justified and united to Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, those seven blessings that we've been talking a lot about in the church from Ephesians 1, those are true of every Christian, whether the Mm -hmm. Christian realizes it or not. Right. So even at some level, right, like <clears throat> we, we are unified in our fight for the gospel and our standing for the gospel, to use Paul's language in Philippians. And yet one of us can articulate those. The other one of us can't. Mm. But it doesn't mean we're not, we can't work together for the gospel. It just means one of us is better informed than the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing in, in the uniformity camp that I'm thinking about, too, is uniformity seems to suggest that we should all apply the principles the same way. Yes. So like, man, if we were, you know, if the principle is parents need to uh, disciple their kids, well, what does that look like for one family? It might mean like, hey, I'm just going to homeschool, and that should be like everybody at church should homeschool. Yes. Oh, how many churches have divided over that issue? I know. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the – and. You know, when we homeschool, but we're not a homeschool-only family. And in fact, I don't ever think I've said from the pulpit, it's the only way to do it. But, right, because the reality is I've known parents that have public schooled their kids. I just made that a verb. And um, 
they have asked the question, how do we shepherd our kids while they're in public school Mm -hmm. and have answered the question and put it into practice in such a way to where they were able to shepherd their kids in public school, Mm -hmm. you know? And so there you would have them in a church public schooling their kids while some others are homeschooling their kids. And the reality is yet they're both working together in a unity for the faith of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ramil? Yeah, I think those observations, you know, are correct. And, and I think one of the things is that unity happens the most at the, I'd say in terms of dynamics in my mind, unity happens the most at the principal level, mm-hmm. whereas uniformity, you'd have to get so granular about everything so high resolution and that you have to make recommendations as to for every little thing what is right and what is wrong and you know one of the things I always ask myself in my mind is like who's going to write the book on that right. you know <laughs> like first of all there, there's not enough paper in the world to write the book on that and if, if you cannot you know unite uh, at the principal level and you feel like you need a, a list of rules to unite under, what, what that's also indicative of is that you're not willing to think, right? You're not willing to wrestle with principles and you're, you're not thinking about principles and how they may be applied differently under different circumstances, you know, and which in my observation is why people gravitate toward rules because it's easier to be given a set of rules to just follow mindlessly. It's harder for you to have to always think about what principle is at play when you're making decisions. And in order to be united with people, you have to be flexible enough in the way you understand your own convictions and your own principles, you know, um, if you're a rules person, you know, people breaking the rules that are in your mind just set you off. So I think, I think those are the, the kind of two components in my mind is that unity really requires that we operate at a principle level as opposed to, a granular like one for one rule recommendation level and that it requires us to put more effort into thinking about our convictions and our motivation and always assessing it than just re- just you know referring back to the rule book and says well the rule book says this therefore you're wrong and I'm right um, it's not always like that when it comes to actually working with other people, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And, and even in terms of that, you have, you still would have two issues there. You would have making the rules and then managing the rules. And so you still have to then ask the question, well, how much time and energy can we give into managing the rule upkeep? Not only just making the rules, but managing the rules 
And of course, in like pot, there's always there's always these things every time you you talk about these these kind of issues that there's to me there's pie in the sky concept concepts that people advocate for, and they kind of create this this vacuum of an ideal situation, and that's cool. Like, yeah, boy, you know, we can all come up with the ideal of, and in our mind, it's the perfect world. <clears throat> but there's always this question you have to ask of like, well, but who are we and how does that work in the real world with sinful people who make sinful mistakes, who do sinful things, who are living by God's grace, trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and walk faithfully to the Lord and obey him and honor him. And so the, it, it becomes like a, right. It, it's hard to do that. It's hard to, to navigate both of those. And sometimes you have to tell the person that's hot, that's really conceptually driven Hey, you've still got to come back to reality and work in reality. Like you can't, you can't be so pie in the sky in your thinking here that um, this doesn't that that this doesn't work. You know. Go ahead, Chris. You had something. Yeah. No, I was just agreeing. You're agreeing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like um, it. Yeah, I know, especially that point on, you know, managing the rules. I love what Ramil said about, you know, being united on a principle level requires that we think through those principles and how those could be applied in many different contexts, right? Because people have different contexts. People live in different contexts, Um you know, there are some families that are, are single parent families and their context is a lot different. And so if you try to apply, you know, uh, a, a, a one, con- one family context into another um, and think that they should all do the same thing and apply it the same way and organize their lives the same way, right, then, then there's difficulty in that. And, you know, you could potentially... Um, exasperate people by pushing your application mm. on people uh, on people with completely different context. And so I love that. Like working in a principle level, being united on a principle level requires that we think through those principles and how they can be applied in different contexts. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, take as you're talking there, even thinking about, you know, you have one family or or even an individual who comes to the Lord and when he believes he's got, you know, 80% of his income is, is, is being sucked away from him because of debt. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, that you have another family who has no debt and who 100% of their income is really discretionary, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that they still have to pay an electric bill and a gas bill and maybe a phone bill and probably not an internet bill. <clears throat> but, but that to say that how, even how you would counsel those two families is going to be vastly different because one's trying to get out of debt and one is trying to be faithful with their money in a way that honors Christ. And so, right, even there you might have the same principle of, Hey, we're both, all of our families are we're working to honor the Lord in the way that our families operate, but it might take some time for one family to actually kind of get on the same page as another family at a practical level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
I mean, in there right there even brings up another issue, and that is that all of us really are at different stages in our walk. And some, some of us are having to clean up sinful decisions we made as unbelievers. And some of us come to know the Lord, and we have less to clean up in our life than we did before, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so that, that difference is enough to indicate, hey, we can still walk together for making disciples and strive together to honor the Lord in our life, in our family life. But it may require making different decisions on a monthly basis mm-hmm. than... than Maybe we would, then maybe we'd want. Whereas uniformity makes that tough, you know, especially if you have this view that everybody in the church gives 25%, you know, um, because that's your personal conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, whereas maybe, you know, it's just, it's not always going to work that way. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we talked about uniformity or unity versus uniformity. And, um, you know, I think you could make a, a third lane here. Conformity. Ultimately, conformity is the goal, right? Conformity to Jesus Christ. Like yes. everyone is trying to be, everyone is trying to have the character uh, of Christ. And that development, that that um, discipleship requires certain ingredients. Um, the Word of God, the, the Spirit working through the Word, the Spirit working even through the grace of fellowship. We talked about the grace of fellowship the other day and how yes. important that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the grace of communion and the grace of, you know, and these these are not like um, infused grace that makes us holy. This is uh, how God works in us. And this is what God has provided for the church as a grace for it to grow and mature and look like Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the, the, that conformity to Christ, like, um, you know, as you, as you walk with the church, your goal is to be conformed to Christ. So it's the, the, goal, the goal is not uniformity, but conformity to Christ, walking in unity, unity of the gospel. Yeah. So what do you, what do you tell somebody who maybe is, you know, maybe we'll start with Ramil. Ramil, let's say... You can tell somebody's struggling to work with the church because, you know, may, maybe there's maybe there's issues that we would have just kind of lumped into the uniformity camp. And they're saying, well, how do, how do I work with you if I disagree with you? Ramil, what, what would you tell that person? How do I work with you if I disagree with you? I agree with you on the gospel. I agree with you on the authority of scripture. I agree with you on... Um, justification. I agree with you on the gospel, justified by faith alone, united to Christ, faith in Christ, you know, faith producing works. I agree with you on all that. I just don't know how to, how to really work with you. Cause I, cause I disagree with you on some other issues. Yeah. I would say to that person, you know, one, uh, really revisit the the sort of the law of love, right? Um, understanding how to apply love in a context where there's disagreement and try to sort out something we always think here at the Cornerstone family, right? What are the differences between the hills you would die on and the hills or and, and the other sort of things that you would you would just defer to others and you know we always use the term what's what's biblical and true and what is just preference 
right? So that's something that, you know, they would have to kind of assess uh, and and start to sort of sort through that. And we can have a discussion on that. Um, actually, I, I was looking through my my iPad here. Um, the A while ago, you asked us to read a book by D.A. Carson, The Cross in Christian Ministry. And uh, there's a quote in there that I absolutely love, and this would be my, my third encouragement, is that what D.A. What Carson had observed about Paul, and if I may read, it says, Although Paul was an extraordinarily flexible apostle and evangelist, uh, he had sorted through elemental Christianity in a profound and nuanced way so that he knew when he could be flexible and when he should not bend. In other words, his grasp of theology enabled him to know who he was, what was expected of him, what he was free to do, and what he should not consider doing under any circumstances. In short, we must know uh, we must also know what freedoms and constraints are ours in Jesus Christ. The only way to achieve this maturity is to think through Scripture again and again. And so I would add a third encouragement, which is to think through Scripture again and again and, and establish a, master, a mastery of your understanding of, of theology, you know, because I think one of the things that is apparent in those who adhere to a rule set is that they have a narrow view of theology and there are missing parts. They can't quite work out how this is right in this particular circumstance because perhaps there's a hole in their theology that they haven't quite gotten to. And so when you broaden your understanding or deepen your understanding of theology, you start to see, oh, I see now why this is actually biblical, whereas before I would not have thought that was biblical. So yeah, those encouragements would be what I would give that person. No, that's really good. Um, even as you're talking, it, it kind of that realization too, that all of us have strengths and weaknesses and blind spots. And, you know, sometimes you're talking to somebody about an issue that's important to you and it's either a weakness or, you know, let's say the person you're, you're working with or talking to doesn't share your similar conviction. And that could be a result of blind spot. It could be a result of weakness, right? A lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. And, and so even in that, right, that's where love covers because you realize that they may not, this may be their blind spot. And this is why um, you, you have to take your conceptual reality down to reality. And, you know, everyone always says, well, conceptually, you know, uh, a Christian should just be able to walk up to another Christian and confess their sins and that Christian not gossip. And it's like, I totally agree. Conceptually, that is exactly what should happen. Unfortunately, in reality, you're talking to another sinful human being that has strengths and weaknesses and is tempted by different things. And if you just opened up to the church gossip, well, you just, you just opened a can of worms you weren't intending to open, you know, and they may not even have heard you right in your confession. And now they're off telling the whole world that you're sinning in ways that you're not really sinning, but because that's their weakness, you know, you, you didn't navigate in, in, in reality, you navigated in conception. And I think, I think that's where, you know, 
that conceptual versus reality needs to come into play. And like you said, if I understood my theology right, I would realize I'm always talking to another individual who has strengths, weaknesses, who is growing in faith, who has some knowledge, but maybe not all knowledge, and maybe hasn't even figured out how to, how to work with somebody who's struggling with sins. You know, uh, even, even sometimes in the more what I call, what we call the fundamentalist mindset, you know, uh, they themselves may not even apply the Galatians 6.1 approach in helping you out in bearing your burdens and with gentleness and kindness leading to restore you. They just may think, hey, this is simple. The Bible says this and you do it. But not realizing that, you know, unfortunately, I wish it were that easy. If it were that easy, man, every sermon would be, you know, the church would change at every sermon and you'd preach on one thing and everybody in the church would get it and move on. And then the next week we'd grow together. But unfortunately you say some things a hundred thousand times from the pulpit and somebody doesn't get it till the hundred first thousand, you know, and then it's like, Oh, now I understand what you're saying because you know, for whatever reason, the spirit just, just did not grow them in that area. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I think ultimately like, cause what we're talking about is right. You have, um, you, you're, you find yourself in the church um, and you're trying to walk with the church, but you disagree with, um, let's say, the theology of the church. Uh, when I say theology of the church, I'm saying talking about the leadership. Maybe you disagree uh, on second or third level theologies, or even the way those doctrines are fleshed out. Yeah. Um, can that person still be? Uh, can that first person still be? Uh, can they joyously serve and love people in that context? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's even interesting, right? Because you have Calvinists and Arminians who disagree and yet they'll both go evangelize. Mm -hmm. And so, right. Could you have somebody in your church that, that plays up the human responsibility more so than God's sovereignty? And yet, you know, they're evangelizing their, their loved one and coming to you for advice on how to evangelize. Mm. And even though you disagree on those theological issues, is there still a way to where you could work together through prayer and counsel on evangelizing that, that loved one? Mm. And the answer is, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's going to be Armenians and Calvinists in heaven. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like we, I think people at church have been saved in both camps. Yes. So we know that, you know, it's not solely doctrine. Uh, it's not solely Calvinist doctrine that saves people, mm -hmm. nor Armenian doctrine. It's Jesus Christ and his cross. Yeah. Um, which ultimately, if you think about it, um, everything does go back to the cross of Jesus Christ because that's the ultimate uniting, yes. um, you know, doctrine. Yes. It's Jesus Christ and, and, and his death and resurrection. Right. Well, and even to tie in some of our recent church discussions and sermons with this issue, like one of the reasons why we celebrate the Lord's Supper together is that reminder to the whole church as a family Amen. that we're united together around the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the effects of his death. Yes. And the reality of future communion with him around the banquet table. Yep. Not the third or secondary <clears throat> level issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very important point, Jason. Um, communion, uh, the the fact that God, even baptism, right? The two different, yes. uh, the two um, 
uh, I don't want to say so. that's sacraments. What am I thinking? What's the other word? <laughs> right. The yeah. Well, ordinance. No, you said sacrament. Yeah, ordinances. ordinances. Holy yes. moly! You're welcome. Yeah, you said sacrament. And I <laughs> yeah. have to start. I couldn't get yeah, it out of my head. I know. Okay. Yeah, not sacraments. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The the two ordinances that the, that God gives us uh, unites us around, you know, Jesus Christ. Yes. And so there is a uh, that should you know, make our ministry very Jesus Christ heavy. And I think that's what we try to do. It's, it's very gospel centered, very Christ centered and taking people back to Jesus Christ is never going to be a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, yeah. So Ramil, Ramil answered that question. How would you answer that question, Chris? If somebody came to you and said, Hey, you know, I'm struggling working with you because I don't, I don't necessarily always agree with the, the decisions of the leaders here is there still a place for me in this church to make disciples? Is there still a place for me to be united with you in ministry together for the faith of the gospel? Yeah. And again, right. Uh, in the beginning, we said, we're not talking about unbiblical churches. We're talking about biblical churches. So if you are in a biblical church, um, then you are in line with the essentials as Gino said. And so when you are united on the essentials, then there is room, right? First uh, Peter 2, 9 says, right, we are a chosen people. Um, for what purpose, right? To declare the praises of his glory that he has called us from darkness into his marvelous light, right? And so we are, um, uh, we can walk in that. Uh, we can uh, walk together in ministry declaring God's praises, uh, declaring praises, right? And um, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Uh, and I think the idea is like, for uh, we're both, right? We say in Cornerstone um, that we want to be fat people, which is faithful, available, and teachable. And so all of us need to have that attitude. And even what Ramil said earlier, um, the, the disagreement sometimes may be a blind spot or maybe a uh, just does not have, uh, maybe there's a hole in their theology and maybe there's something that needs to inform their disagreements. Um, and maybe it's not like a either or type of thing rather than it's both end. When we talk about Armenian and Calvinist and say, hey, is there both personal responsibility and God's sovereignty? Yes. Um, and we can both operate and make disciples um, talking about people's personal responsibility and talking about God's sovereignty. Um, yeah. So I guess like my, my question and what I'm thinking about right now is like um, when somebody's convictions of what they see in scripture is not in line with mine, when you say mine, you're talking about leadership? <clears throat> leadership, right? So not in line with the leadership of the church, right? So the leadership of the church has certain convictions, um, and we have our, you know, we have our biblical principles in the way we do ministry in Cornerstone. Or we have the principles, but our distinctives are fleshed out. Or like, I don't know if distinctive is the right word, but um, how that doctor, how those... Um, uh, how, how that doctrine's fleshed out. Right. So like in Cornerstone, yeah. right, we have our philosophy of ministry. Um, 
in the way we organize, equip, and make disciples, right? We have those that kind of guides us in how we organize, equip, and make disciples. And people maybe disagree in how we flesh those out. Um, can they still, you know, can we still walk together? And absolutely. Right. I guess, I guess the reality is, right, okay, I, and this even goes back to what Ramil was saying, right? Let's say I'm sitting next to somebody that disagrees with me over God's sovereignty in salvation, and a new believer is a part of the church. Both of us would still recognize, right, based on that, some of the fruit that that person's showing, that the Holy Spirit is at work in that human being. Like, mm-hmm. that right there does not prevent either one of us from saying, hey, here's what the Bible says. Here's what Scripture says. Here's the things that God thinks is important to you. You know, you think about all those walk verses in in Ephesians, right? Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Like, our disagreement, you know, almost any preference issue or even outside of the first level tertiary issues, triage issues that Gina talked about, right? It doesn't prevent me from saying to somebody, well, you've, yeah, when ministering to people, you've got to be patient and long suffering and you've mm-hmm. got to love them, right? It doesn't prevent me from saying, you have to you have to shed your old school gentle gentile mi- mindset your worldly mindset you have to walk in love as Jesus Christ loved and you have to be wise in the way that you walk like mm-hmm. none of those are prevented by disagreeing you know mm-hmm. and and even that keyword that Ramil said too <clears throat> um, right i can disagree with you but still love you Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and I think sometimes I wonder if, you know, if you don't think you can love somebody because you disagree, I think I would challenge whoever thinks like that to say, where in Scripture does it say, only love those who are like minded with you? Yeah, and in fact, you have you actually have the opposite from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, "Love your enemies." which is a really tall order. And then later you have Paul say, bless those who persecute you, bless them, do not curse them. And so there you have an emphatic, right? Like, listen, yes, they are persecuting you, but you be about their well-being. And I think that's the thing too, right? If we're, if we're trying to walk in the faithfulness of the gospel, love means putting Christ before them, serving them Christ. Yes. The question then would be, why do those disagreements prevent you from do not do not look out for your own personal interest, but the interest of others. Why does that prevent you from looking out from somebody's better interest? Why does that prevent you from loving other people? Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's just say for um, illustration's sake, we were the congregation. Yeah, we weren't in leadership, and we disagreed with our elders. Like, right. how would our um, what would our service look like? I hope it would look like. This and this might be a bad example, Jason or and Chris, but uh, and Ramel, you know, it's like you're in a company and you work for a, um, a boss that you disagree with, right? You know, you're you're not to go around bashing the boss. You're still to love that boss yeah. and serve and serve the company. Yeah, uh, it doesn't change. And I think like if I was, you know, and if I and if I can go back in my younger years and and um, you know even served leadership that I thought was wrong in a better way, I would have done that. Yeah, me too. But again, I was immature. <laughs> Yes. I think all of us were at that point where yeah. we were immature and, you know, maybe we went about it the wrong way with leadership. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely, you know, in my, my history, I was a part of, the, part of a Methodist church and bringing your Bible was, was really not 
Uh, I don't know why people carried it because we didn't open it. And I was critical of that church. Now I think there's biblical problems with that church, like at that, at the triage level issue because, but I could have still been better with them. Yes. And the interesting part was they were not preventing me from opening the Bible and encouraging people from scripture. They weren't actually telling me to stop encouraging people. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I left the church, they called me up and said, hey, we heard you left the church. And I said, yes, I did. I said, you know, that's why I I haven't put in for, you know, um, this Bible study that I was leading. And they said, well, actually, we want to ask you to still lead that Bible study. And so I went to my my new pastor and I told Randy what was going on. And Randy said, you should do it. And then at that point, I just decided I'm not going to bash their current leadership. Mm. They've asked me to do this as an outsider. Randy is telling me, hey, you can win people to Christ. And so I just went and said, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. And um, another friend of mine who um, some of you in the church may even know, uh, he and his wife are more Reformed Baptist in their thinking. Mm -hmm. And they were part of a Presbyterian church. Well, if you don't know the difference there, uh, the Presbyterians are going to be paedo-baptist, whereas the Reformed Baptists are going to be believers' baptism. Mm -hmm. And... They even let a Bible, they even lead a Bible study in that Presbyterian church. And so some of the things they do is they don't bash the leadership. When somebody says, they'll say, well, you know, the church believes that you should baptize your babies because that brings them into the, that brings them into a special covenant with God. And that's what the church believes. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what, so if you have questions on that, it might be good to go talk to your elders but on the flip side, they were very respectful about trying to stay away from bashing their leaders in that position too. Mm, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I think you know part of growing in maturity is learning those kinds of things where it's like, okay, this is the lane that God has given me right now and flourish in it. Yes. And that is, um, I mean, you will be a, I mean, no matter what church, in, church you're in, whether they're a weaker church or a stronger church or, or they're stronger in some areas, weaker in other areas you might be strong in, you will be such a joy, right? Yes. And, yes. and the, all you're going to do is spur the leaders on as well as the congregation, congregation on to, uh, you know, spur them on to love and humility and good deeds. Yes. So I, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Well, and, and even like, you know, there are there are there are some doctrines that are, that are inferred and there are some that are slam dunks. Yes. You know, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which man must be saved than Jesus Christ. That's slam dunk. Mm -hmm. But some of the inferences ones, you know, um, if different people take different inferences than you, it's kind of like, you know, can we still walk together? And the answer is, yeah, you can still walk together because again, nobody's preventing you from getting to know that person, from loving that person, from praying for that person, for providing counsel should the Lord open that door from, you know, texting them throughout the week, how you doing, how are things going, you know, from loving on them, from serving them, from seeing them and, and greeting them with a holy, you know, holy kiss, although we don't do that in, in America. <laughs> but, you know, a warm, gentle, hey, it's good to see you, glad you're here kind of greeting. You know, dis- disagreement shouldn't prevent that. Yeah. And if it does, I guess the question really is why. Yeah. Why would that prevent you? Yeah. I think it's the question really is like, uh, you know, how, like, would you still encourage someone to participate fully in what the church has laid out for them? Um, I would say yes. Yes. I would say yes, because then you're, 
again, that's um, that's a show of humility. Yes. Uh, knowing, like you, they might even be right. Yeah, that's true. Like we might even be wrong. Yeah, that's but, true. But like, um, we could also be right about other things, and they can be wrong about other yeah. things too. What's interesting is right. I have friends <clears throat> in pastoral ministry, and you do too, Gino. That that our churches are set up differently. You know, um, their membership process is different from ours. Uh, I mean, even Brad and Greg down there at Anchor are going to be different from us in some ways. And yet it doesn't prevent us from supporting them, loving them, encouraging them, being there for them when they ask for our needs, you know, and we, we reach out regularly and say, Hey, is there anything we can do to help you? And we know they're a church plant and they need money, but, um, but the other things that we can help with, right. you know, and so even the interesting part to me is um, in those discussions, there still might be a question of, you know, I remember going through some marriage issues as counselors of as elders counseling other people where we sought outsiders help who have different views than us on pedo baptism have different views on us on church government have different views on us and even our deacons mm-hmm. i mean down to like the songs they sing you know they're hymns only or they're contemporary only and yet it did not prevent them from from saying hey when shepherding this person here are things you need to you need to observe find out see you give them some information and they go okay here's what i'm seeing from afar if what you're saying is accurate and you know none of the differences prevented ministry mm-hmm. you know and so i think that that's another key point for us right even though we're not trying to be united to them you know we're not trying to like look at what Grace Church in California doesn't say we're trying to be united with Grace Church and everything they do. Right. Because we're not Grace Church. We have different people than they do. No two churches can really be alike because they have different people in them. Yes. And they have different elders and different strengths and weaknesses as churches. And so being able to look at them and say, hey, we can still be about the gospel and making disciples together. Like it's great to know there are hundreds of churches in America making disciples even if some of the nuances of how that gets done changes. Yeah. I think maybe another way to think about it too is like, you know, maybe in God's providence, he put you in a church where the leadership is so different from you that uh, God was, uh, God meant to strengthen different aspects about who you are. Right. And the same way with the leadership, you know, you could do the same, but there has to be a level of participation for that to happen. Right. Yeah. So I think participation is such a, a huge deal. Yeah. Well, and, and even like, um, you know, jobs, the, these principles would apply at work and your family. I mean, you you and your spouse should be able to still walk together in unity, even if you disagree about something. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes Kyle and I maybe don't agree <clears throat> 100% on different repercussions for the boys, you know, being lazy at school or, you know, sometimes maybe even our time management. And she's coming from a good place, and I'm coming from a good place. And when you write down where we're coming from, they're both biblical. And yet, it just takes time to work through that. And yet, it doesn't prevent unity from us because we're still striving together to understand each other and to still work towards that same goal. So maybe that's like the key. How do you work with somebody that you disagree with? You share the common goal, right? And this is what I think about with with some of my bosses that I've had in the past, who, right, some of them were super micromanaging. Some of them were, every day was a different criteria that you live by. And, you know, you, your boss comes in every day and says, hey, this is the most important thing, and I need you to do it today. Okay, and the next day, there's a new project. The next day, there's a new project. And then they come to you after four weeks of this and go, 
hey, why aren't you getting this done? And you're in the back of your mind, you're like, you, are you kidding? Like you, for four weeks, you've asked me to do everything but that. And every day I do what you tell me to do. And now today, all of a sudden you're saying, what about these job responsibilities that we hired you for? And the reality is in the back of your mind, you have to kind of say, hey, you know what? We're working for the same goal. And that is the betterment of this company. And this company is here to make money in this way. And we're going to make money in this way. And we're going to do this in this way. In fact, Ramil, you've had, uh, you're out of all of us, you're probably the most, you've gone through this the most recently. You know, talk about some of those things you learned at work about working together with different minded people. Even even in crunch time, right, when you guys as a company have had the sponge squeezed pretty tough. Yeah. Um, well, just, I mean, two-second backdrop. Basically, there was an acquisition, and my company before turned into a different company, and I had to learn to work with new managers, new directors, new personnel, new procedures, everything. And... Uh, uh, I'm grateful because I had men like you guys to help me walk me through it. You know, um, my, my own apprehensions, what I was hearing within the company and everybody's sort of opinions on kind of what's going on. Um, but one of the biggest things I learned through our conversations and even just being there was, um, be a servant and think of the people you work for as people that you're trying to serve, you know, um, there, there, there can be this dynamic, no matter what the context is, to depersonalize the people around you. And in your mind, they just become, whether they just become an avatar or a representation of idea, you don't, of an idea that you don't like. And then you feel comfortable having animosity or malcontent towards them or backbiting or anything like that. Um, so one of the biggest lessons is look at them as people and love them and find a way to help them succeed. Because if you love them, that's what you want to do. You want to help them succeed, you know? Uh, and that's sort of my mindset as well in the church um, and wherever I am, whether I'm in my, my family, my household, my friends, um, there are always disagreements wherever uh, in many different contexts. But if you adhere to the love, the principle of Christ-like love, you're always finding a way. How can one, how can I point these people to Christ through my actions, and then two, how can I behave so that they can know that I am about their highest good? You know, my my pursuit is their highest good. No, that's really good, and that that even like ties back into what you said earlier, right? Your theology should be influencing you, and Scripture would say that your coworkers, right, that not even coworkers, every human being is made in the image of God, therefore valuable, right? God, God loved everybody in a sense by creating them. Like creation is an act of God's love. Um, you know, 
God, God loves his people by redeeming his people to making us in his inheritance. But as a human being who loves Christ, I genuinely want what's better for you, especially in Christ. And what's amazing is how many problems get solved when you stop seeing the person like you just said as a representation of a nefarious idea and you start seeing them as human beings who, right, and here's where theology comes into play, right, who, who still have unbelief, whether it be complete unbelief or believe in Christ and yet still have some level of unbelief and sin in them. Uh, and then, you know, so your view of depravity comes in here because you realize because of the depravity of sin, none of us are perfect except for Jesus Christ. So therefore I must be long suffering and patient with others just like God is towards me. And even your view of the gospel comes into play here where, Hey, my knowledge of the gospel means that I'm going to lead you to Christ because ultimately you're a human being. And I'm concerned more about your standing with Christ than I am our disagreements. Right. Yeah. I like it. Chris. Yep. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Mill's question. Uh, Ramil had a question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this, this may or may not be this podcast or not, but uh, how do we work through our differences as elders? That, I mean, I think, I think, I, I can only speak for myself, mm. but, uh, you know, all of us kind of, we, right, we work together as a team. Uh, we brainstorm together as a team on, on how to minister to people. Um, but I also recognize that, you know, Gino is over children's and youth and, you know, does a great job at music. And Ramil, though handing off finances you know, is, was overseeing finances and Chris was overseeing kind of the leadership structure, the, the teams on Sunday, but we, we handed that off to Caitlin and uh, Amber just to kind of ease the burden there for, for Chris to, to be freed up to do the one another's. Right. So, so as, as elders here, there are more kind of like weekly task things on Gino and I's plate. And the one another's is really what we're asking the elders, the, the, the guys with full-time jobs to do so that they're masters of being a one another. And what's interesting is, you know, somebody in the church has a problem and they go to Ramil with that problem. And uh, they, they address that problem with Ramil. And so maybe, maybe let me give the short, short answer. I kind of look and see, for me, what is the problem which elder is closest to the problem? And then I tend to defer to, to you guys' perspective on that issue. And then for me, I feel like the only time to chime in is if I see where one of the decisions you guys want to make might create bigger problems in another area of the church. And then that's usually the only time I disagree or say something. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but honestly, we've not, I mean, we, we're actually a majority vote elders Right, we're not even mm-hmm. we don't even require unanimity, but I don't even remember the last time where it was like a three to one vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know we're one to three on the jumbo jet still, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm well, holding I'm holding out strong, guys. Well, I will say that the, the uh, you know um, my my comments on on that question is uh, you realize 
at least for me, I, 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 I recognize Jason's strengths, Chris's strengths and Ramel's strengths. And, um, you kind of let them, I kind of let them, you know, flourish in their strengths really. And then I try to personally, I just try to fill in where I, wherever I can fit in, you know, uh, in terms of what I can do and serve. I just want to be useful. Right. Um, as my goal and, and be as productive as we can as a team. But the fact that we're also friends, uh, you yes. know, it, 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 because we're always in, like, I think there's a good level of communication on a regular basis that we're not on our own kind of isolated thinking to where we become so separate on ideas. So yes. we tend to walk together closely, I would say. Yeah. And I think that's a an important thing in our relationship and in our, uh, in our teamwork aspect of the ministry. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know that every eldership can say that. But I think that is one of one of the benefits that, you know, makes it easier being friends. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I don't expect any of us to, to perfectly operate. And yet I know none of us here is being lazy or slack in what we're doing. Correct. You know, because I'll say that to 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 my, you know, to one of my spouses, my only one. <laughs> and uh, sometimes she'll say, yeah, but, you know, I'll say, well, it's not going to always be perfect. And she'll say, yeah, but we can work for it. And I'm like, yes, of course. We are going to strive for excellence. We're going to strive to honor God. But but even in, like, some of the things we do for our boys, you know, where, where we want them to learn how to um, clean the house so that nobody lives here, <laughs> um, you know, I realize they're going to make mistakes in the learning process. And so for me, sometimes the process is as beneficial because if we all make a mistake together, we all tend to learn together. We don't sit there and go, well, it was everybody else's fault. We look at it and go, hey, what did we not do that was, what did we not do well that we could have done well to make this better? Or maybe it was just a bad idea. And so I think too, also just knowing that none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Yep. And we have bad ideas sometimes. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I still think the jumbo jet was a good idea. <laughs> For those who don't know us, please know that I was a joke. Yeah, yeah, we're weird. I really don't. I really don't want a jumbo jet, but but I just think it's funny. Yeah. So. It's like one of really the only time where Mill says no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What Jason's Jason's tactic is to raise it to a jumbo jet so that we can say yes to the Bronco. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, Bronco. Bronco's like a fraction of a jumbo jet. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, well, I don't what, know if we beat this topic to death unless Chris said it's something that. Yeah, I would just, <laughs> I would just say I think you know for the four of us, uh, praise the Lord, right? Because I think we're really patient with each other. So sometimes when there are things that maybe we need to hash out a little bit, we're pretty patient. Like, hey, we can we can talk about this like yes. a little bit more, and then we're really really good at giving each other some time to think about it. Like. Yes. There's very we, few emergencies, right? Yeah. Yes. And we give people like the space that is needed. Hey, okay. You know, Ramil needs some space to think about that. You know, maybe I need some space to think about oh, Gino. Gino takes the longest to think about things. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> but, you know, we give each other that space to think about it. Um, and then we come together and eventually we see, you know, we are just able to, to understand each other and, um, you know, articulate our points because sometimes, man, you, you, you guys ask me something and I'm like, I haven't really think about that yet. Like I haven't thought about it yet. Give me some time to think about it. And then I'll come back and I say, okay, this is what I think about this issue. Um, and able to articulate it in a way that makes sense. Um, whereas like, okay, cool. Like everybody 
Everybody, you don't just say yes, right? You're just like, you, have to, you actually have thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, like, I'm like Gino. I just throw Gino under the bus, but I'm really like him. Like, hey, man, sometimes I just need some time to think about some things, and I don't necessarily, you know, have the answers right now. But uh, I think what I'm thankful for is that we give each other that space. Yeah. Well, and I think that that, that, that could be applied, right, in the church. <clears throat> Okay, you know, even sometimes we counsel somebody or, or we tell somebody something and they look at us like we're crazy and they don't, they don't like what we're saying. And there's that part that's like, this is the first time this human being has ever heard this. Mm-hmm. Why? And they barely know me. So one, I really have a one carte blanche influence. And two, all I can do is try to articulate and work with them on what the Bible says. And while at the same time trying to promote a, a godly approach. And so, you know, somebody hears what I think they should do and they walk away and they don't do it. And, you know, maybe that's my weakness too. Whereas I just kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to like call them tomorrow and say, how dare you not have done what I told you to do. Uh, I think the only time I've, you know, personally I've ever kind of pushed that a little bit, like, Hey, I've warned you, this is what you need to do is when I know somebody refuses to reconcile. Hmm. And that's because I think scripture puts that in the emergency category, mm-hmm. right? Run, Sermon on the Mount, run to your brother and reconcile, right? Don't come to the altar, go and then come to the altar. And so in my idea there, scripture's informing that rush. Whereas other times, you know, you're trying to counsel a brother or sister in Christ to do something or to think about something, and they just, they've never heard this before. And they're trying to they're trying to run this through their own grid of thinking, going, wait a minute, I've never been of a part of a church that does it that way. And there's a party that's like, that's okay, you know? Um, I, my guess is, you know, if you came to us from a church where, um, where your elders were spiritual oversight, but your deacons made all the financial decisions, and then you find out, oh, the elders make the financial decisions here, and the deacons aren't in authority and they serve— Right, your your response might be like, "Whoa, I don't know about this," mm. you know, and and they may not even have a grid to realize, "Hey, in fact, probably most churches in America do not do deacons the same way," right. and that's okay, right? And so, at some level, you know, you have to realize, "Hey, the text really sometimes the text doesn't have very specific ways in which the church is to do things. It just says they're there, like the deacons are there in Scripture. They're not." their role's really not clearly defined. Yeah. I think God was purposeful in that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, right. So at some level, each church has to say, Hey, what do they do for us? Mm. You know, and at the same token, we don't, the deacons don't have any authority over people. So we're not saying to the church, these are sub elders, right? You know, but from somebody mm-hmm. that came from a background where the deacons made elder like decisions and finances mm-hmm. and they saw that as unbiblical, right. They might be leery of us, because of the way we do deacons. And that's okay, right? There's a part where you got to go, hey, you know, like look at everything else we do and look at the things we teach and, yeah, you know, it's okay that we disagree on this. You know, this is the way we view it here. And sometimes, you know, this is, it's funny because some of these things that we do, uh, the fat, um, you know, me, even me warning guys about being thin-skinned. Mm. I, I know I've, somebody wasn't sure if I should really tell people they need to be thicker skinned. And it was interesting because I told him, you know, like, hey, I get your pushback, but understand, too, these are things that I have been discipled in from people over me training me to be a leader. 
And I've seen why it's important to them. And I adopted what I was taught. And so I'm literally handing down to you some inferences that I myself learned from my own church history. You know, and it's not to say that there might be, there not be, might not be better ways or better approaches, but that's also what I learned and that's ingrained in me. Mm. And so sometimes, right, it's something at that level where it's maybe an inference or a preference and it's ingrained in me, it's going to be harder to get me out of that trench into a different trench to then do church a different way. And at some point, we as elders are saying, hey, you know what? We're okay with this preference. It works for who you are as an individual. It works for who we are as a church. And it's not preventing anybody from walking in faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know, and, and that, that's, that's a part too, right? We are handing down what we have learned from previous generations. Um, and that's my little plug, right? That's one reason why church history is so important. It is good to hear, hey, we, the gospel we preach has been preached for 2,000 years since Jesus Christ has died. And even before, according to Isaiah 52 and 53. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the very least, incur, you, you can be a, a blessing. You want to be a blessing to you. Uh, the church and leadership um, to your, even your boss at work and to your family. Yes. Just, um, you know, continue to learn them, love them, spur them on, uh, most importantly, spur them on to the gospel. Yes. And uh, encourage them in the gospel by participating in gospel ministry. Yes. Yeah. I think maybe that's a good question. Sometimes asking why we disagree on an issue is a good question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then you learn, you know what, this person does have some wisdom and maybe even some pragmatical good reasons for why he or she believes what he believes. Right. You know, and they're hearing this from me, having never, I mean, I didn't even know this till re, I mean, you kind of conceptually know it, but then when people say to you, your church doesn't do things the way every church I've been involved with that all my life has done things. It's vastly different. And so what I hear is also, okay, they notice this, but on the other hand, I also hear you're gonna have to be really patient with this person mm-hmm. because they've never done church this way. Right. They've never heard a pastor or an elder stand up and look at the church and say, "Hey, your relationship with each other matters." Mm-hmm. Like the one another's are to use the the Reformed Baptist mindset, they are a means of grace. Right. As much as preaching, God's Spirit can use preaching to edify and singing to edify, and the reading of Scripture and the Lord's Supper, one anothering with people is a means of edification, and so. You know, somebody comes into our church and hears us say, hey, we think you need to really not only view church as a program that you attend on Sunday, but as relationships to develop with these people in this room and become friends with them. And you've walked with the Lord for 40 years and never heard that. Well, I mean, that's a, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. undoing that is not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are older saints who we love who are still writing checks. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know where my checkbook is, you know, <laughs> and, and that's okay. You know, it's okay that there's some differences on that. It doesn't prevent us from being about the gospel. Amen. Yep. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. And then I wanted to say too, if like, if you disagree with someone, um, I would say get to know that person yeah. and spend time with that person. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. That's very practical. Yeah. Yep. Right. In a practical level, like, hey, if I if you disagree with someone, g- engage, right? And yeah. and understand that person and know who they are and spend some time with them. Yes. Yeah, and the reason why for that, I think, is then you're looking at them. You, you're under actually understanding where they're coming from. And, um, you know, you're humanizing them 
and you should be able to it's like it's like um uh what is it called it's like when you disagree with someone's point you should be able to at least articulate their point from their standpoint yes or their position from their from their point of view then it shows you understand them yeah that's actually there's um one of my favorite authors is really good at that and i would actually encourage people to adopt that uh preston sprinkle i know i know he gets a lot of beef because some of the things he personally has chosen to be involved with, some of the discussions he's been involved with are very uh, hot, hot button topics. Right. Uh, it does a lot of work in uh, on homosexuality, uh, transgenderism, um, same sex attraction, that kind of stuff. Now, biblically, he lands where we would land. Yep. But some of the conversations he has with people are uncomfortable to listen to. Yes. But one of the things that I think is actually imitatable from him is that he comes to those people and one views them as human beings and two, he tries to understand where they're coming from to the point to where when he does communicate, the person hearing him says, wow, this person has spent so much time investing in me that I know he's speaking to me as somebody who actually understands and cares for me and loves me. And again, you know, uh, his book on homosexuality was great. Um, and I know, I know there are even people in the church that have read it and have disagreed with certain things he said in there. But the funny part is, you know, it, I, I don't want to call out some of those brothers that disagreed with some of the little things. Those disagreements have not prevented us from even walking together because all of us at the end of the day have said, no, the Bible is clear. Marriage is between husband and wife, man and woman, and sex is an activity between husband and his wife. And, you know, wife between her husband, nothing else. There's no other debt. There's no other appropriate place for sex. Boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, you know, another human being. No, there is no other room. And he still ultimately says that. Right. And so, you know, the thing is we can, we can disagree with some of those things and still navigate and do ministry together. Ramil, you have anything you want to add? We probably should wrap this up here soon. Yeah. I, well, I asked the question, uh, initially, just because I thought, you know, there's a there's a tendency to think that we never disagree with each other, right? And maybe that that perception is out there, but you know, the four of us are really like a married couple. You know, we we we're we're working to preach the gospel and disciple the church. Um, but we all come from such different backgrounds and we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. And personally, I found it to be such a joy to be working with you guys because of exactly what Chris was saying, it's just the patience and the fact that we have a relationship and are able to be honest. I would say that's probably the one thing I would add to everything that was said is, to be able to be honest and one of the things I've experienced was I'm able to be honest with you guys. doesn't matter how uncomfortable the thing I'm saying is. You guys just sit there and you listen and you interact with it. You, you, you don't take it personally. You don't, um, there's, there's no animosity back. It's, it's like, Hey, let's address the idea that's being put forth. And, um, and a lot of that comes from the relationships we have with each other. And so everything that's already been said, I would just second everything that's already been said from an experiential standpoint. The fact that 
my experience with you guys has been that <clears throat> even though we disagree, you love me enough through it all. And, and we love each other enough through it all that we're able to continue to work through all of that and have discussions, meaningful discussions and sort things out. Like none of us ever sits here and says, I've had it. Like, like we don't look at each other like an employer, like, okay, I'm going to quit. That's just my boss. They're expendable. Like you guys are not expendable to me, you know? Um, and so that, that's probably the one thing I would add. No, those are great words. And, and hopefully, right. Hopefully that can be applied outside of even the four of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully this helps and uh, hopefully it encourages. And, you know, if you're that person that disagrees, it's okay. We still love you. Yeah. And we do this to even help us think through things. Absolutely. Yeah. This is like helpful to us as we think through and disciple the church. Um, You know, um, these kind of discussions, even if it's recorded on a podcast, like uh, we continue to think through this and we try to grow through these. Uh, discussions as well. That's right. Yeah, so very important for us. That's right. People know that. All right, well, if you have any questions or comments about deacons or marriage, fire them off because it's coming. We're going to podcast again next week at the Elders Retreat where we will be again live on on location at the Elders Retreat. And so we'll have four mics and there'll be four of us in person, no phone, and uh, we'll see what that conversation holds. It may or may not be about deacons. It may be about something else that's on our mind that day that we want to talk about. But uh, so until next week.